everyone. Welcome to the Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast, where mistakes are welcome, nothing is off limits, and growth is inevitable. I am Sharissa Wood. I'm Brittany Simon. And we are putting our brains together to bring you the tools you need to elevate your hygiene practice, build amazing team culture, and provide patients with the very best care. Our mission is to help empower and equip every hygienist to practice purposeful, profitable hygiene. We look to guide you on your journey towards career fulfillment by providing support, collaboration, and community to our profession. As two of the top producing hygienists in the country, we know firsthand that these things lead to sustainable and fulfilling practice and the happy side effect of high profitability. So let's get to it. So welcome back, Bulletproof Hygiene listeners. We are so excited to spend another week with you, learning and growing and stretching ourselves. And this week, Brittany and I are really, really excited because we are joined by two fabulous practitioners um, that I just think are phenomenal for what they have created in their community and what I hope will be kind of a spark to a fire that spreads across our country of how to really, truly treat our patients um, with the total health, total health collaboration paradigm, you know, working together with our patients, physicians to really look at the big picture and really create complete health. And so today we're really talking about just the importance of multi-specialty medical team collaboration with dentistry so that we can treat our patients comprehensively and really practice true prevention versus reactive treatment, which I feel like a lot of us are kind of stuck in right now. And I, um, I recently saw these two ladies speak at our AOSH meeting that was uh, in Atlanta in September, and I just was blown away. And I want to share a little background to why this impacted me so much. Um, I want to say it was probably five or six years ago. Um, I just really felt like I wanted to connect with the uh, physicians in our local area and see if we could really kind of create some, some teamwork. And so I had uh, researched, I had some patients who had some great physicians, I researched some physicians in our area, and I kind of looked across the gamut at OBGYNs and um, um, just internal medicine and cardiovascular health doctors and um, endocrinologists. And so I kind of, I picked a handful, I think I probably picked six or seven doctors in the area. And I talked to Dr. Bolden about, hey, I have this idea. I really want to reach out, try to establish a connection, see if maybe we can get them in to see who we are, tell them what we're about, see if we can establish a mutual relationship where we're creating mutual referrals for one another and really all staying in the loop on our patient's health and conditions and how we're going to treat them. So he was like, yeah, this is great. So what we did was, um, and Dr. Bolden loves technology, so he found these really cool uh, pamphlets that actually, physical pamphlets that had like a video card in it. So you could have a video when you opened your pamphlet. So I wrote out a script for each and every doctor, depending on what their specialty was and how we knew that that, you know, uh, was impacted by the oral health. And so I, you know, recorded six separate videos directly to each doctor. Um, we, we included a letter saying who we are and what we're about and that we practice complete health dentistry. Uh, we gave them an invitation to please come be a patient with us, you know, at no charge to them. We, you know, we're offering salivary diagnostics and all the radiographs and assessments and really wanted them to come see who we are and what we were about. Um, you know, we sent some, you know, t- you know, uh, team merchandise and all kinds of things. And so we, you know, sent this nice package out and I was very excited about it. And then it was crickets. Um, I think one doctor responded and said, oh my gosh, thank you so much for the interest, but I have a dentist that I really love. And then I think I heard nothing from anyone else. So I was really kind of disheartened and discouraged. And so, Backtrack to last month when uh, Brittany and I were attending the AOSH meeting. And this was, I, I know you guys presented Thursday and Brittany came in with me on Friday. So I was the only one sitting in this class, but I sat there wide-eyed and almost like mouth agape, like, oh my gosh, these, these ladies have done what I have hoped to do. And so I was so encouraged and so enthused that I thought, oh my gosh, we have to have them on our podcast so that they can talk about, you know, how they've gotten to this point, what that looks like, and just be an encouragement to the rest of us for how we can get there too. So um, I want to go ahead and introduce, we have Dr. Gina Pritchard, 
and Laura Hooper with us today. And um, thank you so much, ladies, for number one, what you're doing in your community and how you figure this out and are doing it so well. Um, but number two, taking the time to meet with us today and just share your insights and your, your thoughts and, and your pathway. So um, I'm just going to kind of open it up and let you guys share a little bit about who you are as practitioners and what your work histories kind of look like, how you've gotten to this point. So let's start with Dr. Pritchard. Okay. Thank you. It's so great to be here. And thank you so much for having us on your podcast. Great work that y'all are doing for sure. So um, I am a cardiovascular acute care nurse practitioner, and I went back for my doctorate degree. So that's why it's Dr. Gina Pritchard. But 25 plus years I spent in the hospital rounding on patients with heart attack, stroke, um, primarily heart attack stroke or chest pain. It wasn't a heart attack, but we needed to rush them to the cath lab, the cardiac catheterization laboratory, for example, Mm -hmm. to put in a stent, open up the blockage, that kind of thing. So after several years of working in the ER, working in the critical care unit, working in the cath lab, the uh, operating room where bypass surgery is performed, I began to realize that once someone comes in, and has a heart attack or a stroke or a cardiac scare, whether it's just, you know, they need a stent, no heart damage, whatever it is, we know they'll be back. It's just the beginning of the rest of their life of living with cardiovascular disease. And so there was one particular day where a 45-year-old gentleman presented to the emergency room with sudden cardiac death, the worst way to find out that you have cardiovascular disease. You're fine checking out at the grocery store one minute and boom, you're dead laying on the floor the next from a heart arrhythmia, usually from a blockage, sudden cardiac death that's called. And we see it far too often in people in their 40s, certainly later in life as well. But this gentleman had no clue prior to that, that he had cardiovascular disease. And so there were a few other events that happened that day, and I, it just lit a fire under me to say, I've got to find out what other people are doing to keep people out of the hospital. We're seeing more and more patients on a daily basis. It's like a steady stream through the emergency room, to the cath lab, to the critical care, steady stream of people, the number one killer. And besides the fact that it's, we're not slowing down with the number of uh, cardiovascular problems, Patients are getting younger and younger, and who wants to, you know, live the rest of their life at age 45 in fear of the next event? So patients ask me usually um, three or four questions in some form or fashion in that setting when I'm like discharging them, getting ready to send them home, right? Okay, now what? So it's one, am I going to be okay? Is my family going to be okay? Because if I can't work, you know, it's all around that. Am I and are we going to be okay? What does life look like now? Mm-hmm. And third and fourth is really, why did this happen to me? Because I want to know how I can keep it from happening again. And that's where I realized we fell short. And that's what's happening in the hospitals every day today. It's like, here's your medicines. We'll see you back in uh, three months or, you know, two weeks, whatever it is. Call us if you have chest pain. Otherwise, um, you know, you're not, you quit smoking. We got your cholesterol down and your blood pressure is controlled. Well, that's three of at least 50, maybe 60 or more root causes of why that individual landed in the hospital in the first place. And of course, all of our listeners know, as we know, that half of those people that I was discharging from the hospital, the reason they landed in the hospital was because of an oral health issue. So for me to send them home with two or three medications and tell them to exercise more is just so incomplete. So incomplete. And it's dishonest because I couldn't say to them, this is why it happened to you. And this is how we're going to keep it from happening again. So anyway, that's a long story about how it is that I landed on this podcast with you, my friends and colleagues today. But as I sought out the science and other providers who are practicing powerful prevention techniques, um, it became clear very quickly that 
general medicine. You'll hear Laura and I use that term a lot, general medicine practices. And when we use that term, we're referring to uh, the practices like you were talking about, maybe OBGYN, cardiology, primary care provider, pediatrician, sleep medicine specialist, whatever it is, MDs, DOs, nurse practitioners, and PAs, general medicine, mm-hmm. and oral medicine, dental hygienists, dentists, dental teams, we all must come together and weave our treatment plan together. If we're going to truly knock heart attack and stroke off the number one killer spot and keep our patients from going back to the hospital or down this path of another procedure and another problem. We truly can. We know that we truly can in this day and age, based on the science, based on all of our clinical experience, stop cardiovascular disease. We can stabilize and reverse vascular disease. It is possible. It's not just a wish or a dream or a hope. It's truly possible to measure that and to ensure every year that an individual is kept safe from heart attack and stroke. Um, But both teams have to work together. And so podcasts like this and the work that y'all are doing is so important to help for all of us to sort of keep moving this movement along, if you will, this revolution, maybe you will. I couldn't agree more. Yes. Thank you for that. I, uh, we're definitely on the same page on that front. Um, so we're going to talk about how you guys blended in just a second, but Laura, tell us a little bit about your background and how, um, how things started for you. Absolutely. I think I just want to say, you know, I'm the typical hygienist. I'm just like everyone. I say, Hygienists are the heart of the dental practice. We're truly, I say, we're like the nurse practitioners on the other side. We're like the nurses, right? We're there about prevention. We want to love on our patients. And so I started, I say, as a hygienist. And I remember coming home early on, you know, I graduated in 1995 from Ohio State as a hygienist. I was like, this is all people do go to work and like polish teeth and come home. And, you know, it started just taking me. And I, I know that sounds funny, but I think everyone can relate, right? It's like, oh, I thought I was going to be doing more. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm a healthcare provider. And so all these things I was taught in school is like, so I started to dig deep, like, okay, I want to be doing more. I want to provide more. And I call it loving on my patients. I just want to love on them wherever they are. Cause there are people in our chair who do want more. Of course we can all talk about the ones who don't, but I, I really try to focus on the people who do because that's what brightens my day, even to this day, because those patients keep coming back and they know what I call loving on them. They know, even if they don't understand science, I've had patients in the past 26 years say, I just knew you knew what you were talking about. And that was the most important. So I say I really transitioned from being a hygienist into a periodontal therapist because I truly believe we provide therapy. And yes, we provide some, <laughs> you know, like the hairdresser, mental therapy, right? People come back to us. But I'm truly saying, right, we're here to provide a service as far as preventative disease. So you know, kind of took me on the path. I started getting into CE, became liaison for the house state, like down a board. So my Columbus component just really wanted to do everything I could. Um, you know, and then I formed my own company, just like you guys, you know, DHE. And unfortunately with COVID that went away, but I had an opportunity for about 20 years to coach from private clinical practices to larger DSOs. And it really opened my eyes where we are as clinicians, as hygienists. And over that time is really where I got embedded in, okay, we can do more. There are easy ways, easy steps that we can take in very small periods of time, because right, I know hygienists, we do not have time, right? That is the number one problem. But what can we do in the time we have? And so I had an opportunity to work with uh, Dr. McClatchy at the Heart Attack and Stroke Prevention Center. They founded that business over like five years ago. And I was one of the primary hygienists being able to work with a cardiologist alongside Dr. McClatchy in complete health dentistry of Columbus. So I was thrown right in and had to find a way. I mean, I had no choice. I have a cardiologist saying, hey, I have half of these people are about to have a heart attack because they have a periodontal problem. Fix it. Like, Mm -hmm. fix it. Mm -hmm. Right? I'm guaranteeing people. And that opened my eyes in 2011 when I became a preceptor of the veil-dunning method. I think I took a deep breath. Like, (gasps) 
what do you mean have a heart attack are caused by, by this? Wait, wait, <laughs> that's me. That's me, the hygienist that's responsible for that. So I think the first aha moment, moment I want to say is just, where are you as a hygienist with that responsibility? I took it as, wow, that's my responsibility. And now I need to do something about it. And that really probably changed how I practice, really changed just how I went into that. And then during that time, I met Dr. Gina Pritchard, saw her up on stage millions of times, I'm going to say. And over time, we just started networking together, talking together about patients. Um, and that's what I'm going to give her credit. She was doing the same thing on her side, being frustrated with kind of, I'm going to say, where she reached out into the dental community, having people tell her, oh, that patient's fine. I looked at them. I don't need a perio chart. They're healthy, right? And then hearing me, the extremity saying, hey, I'm calling a doctor and they're telling, I'm saying their blood pressure is, you know, 180 over 100. And they're telling me they're on blood pressure med. They're fine. So we had this commonality of feeling that frustration really on both sides and saying, hey, we can do better. Mm-hmm. Let's do better. Let's bring something better to the community. So, you know, we started working together and I evolved into becoming her care coordinator. And I will tell every hygienist out there, I hope to inspire all of you to look for that and to be that one. I hope Dr. Pritchard, you'll jump in here because we talk all the time. Wouldn't it be the most amazing thing if there's a dental hygienist in a physician's office? Absolutely has to happen. That's where we're headed. That's what we would like to see in this world. And perhaps vice versa, and a nurse in the dental office. Mm-hmm. And those are where that, you know, the, the, um, the action really happens is communication between the nurse and the dental hygienist. Yeah, it would be fabulous. It's, it's been really a game changer to have Laura, to have a dental hygienist with this expertise um, coordinating the care. We really, we've, we've laughed and, but I'm very serious about it. She really needs a different title because she's a provider in the, in the physician's office. It's more than coordinating the care, although that's a component of it. But, um, I think ideally would be a general medicine office that a dental hygienist is also a provider. Uh, a nurse is also a provider. And then you have, you know, um, schedulers and care coordinators and liaisons who actually um, order, you know, write the orders and, you know, do the logistics, if you will. Right. Right. Yeah. It's been a game changer. Hey, Bulletproof Hygiene listeners. We have some big, exciting news. We are proud to announce that our 2022 summit is happening in Nashville, Tennessee, June 3rd and 4th. Come join us for a weekend of growth, learning, and collaboration. We'll be taking deep dives into team culture, leadership, hygiene systems, and patient care and education that bring fulfillment, career success, and practice profitability. This course has the potential to change the trajectory of your career and help you practice at the top of your game. If you missed us in 2021, trust us, you don't want to miss this. Visit BulletproofSummit.com to get all the details and observe your spot. We can't wait to see you there. Well, I'm curious because obviously you guys are where you are now, but what did, how did that, you know, really start out? Like, where did things start? Because obviously when you start something at the beginning, you're not always quite sure where to start and what that looks like. So tell me kind of the genesis of this. How did this, where did it start? And then what is it morphed to specifically now, as far as Laura, you know, how you got got to be part of the prevent clinic and what, you know, what your role was at the beginning and what it is now, like how that morph has happened. Well, honestly, I'm going to say Dr. Pritchard has given me the liberty to jump right in, but I do want to take you back before um, I started working there. And that, that's where all the frustration, that's where all the hard work, you know, took place. I did what you're doing. I think we, We all have to start somewhere, but I hope to fast forward your listeners um, beyond that because I've done that where I've sent the letters, I've picked up the phone, I have high blood pressure, I need pre-med, like, you know, trying to get somebody to respond, or I've seen this patient, I've written a workup and crickets, right? Crickets, absolute crickets. And you're thinking, I'm trying to really help this patient who wants help. And so, you know, it's like, One, I want to say, don't give up, but I want to give a key secret, 
key, key, key secret. In healthcare, I don't care which side you're on, if you send a test or a lab report or anything that a patient has done, and I want hygienists to think more medically minded, think about that yourself. If you have your blood work done and they send it to another provider, what has to happen? Like legally, what has to happen? That test that whatever that piece is has to go into the chart. Somebody has to look at it Mm -hmm. and has to place it there permanently. It doesn't go away. I want everyone to write that down because that to me is what got my foot in the door. And I had to learn that the hard way. I tried all the nice ways going there. I, I mean, I did old school. I must have delivered thousands. <laughs> I'm not kidding in my area. I mean, people were like, don't walk in the door again. Right. I was old school, like a rep, dropping off our stuff, talking, doing lunch and learns at the library, putting on webinars. I think all those things are great. You know, I think connecting with your diabetes association, with your local American heart association, we did all of that. I do think those like grassroot efforts in the long run pay off, right? Like, oh yeah, I remember you, they'll say, or, oh yeah, I think I've seen that. But what truly makes a difference, I'm going to say, is when I could speak more the medical model language. Is there something that I can test, I can treat, and I can post-test and show this patient has an infection, has an inflammatory process going on, here is a clear definition of treatment, and here's a test after to show the difference in what's going on. Awesome. So were you sending perio charts and salivary test results? At the yeah, I stopped the perio charts. Those okay. numbers mean nothing yep. to somebody. Think yep. about that. Yep. Two, three, one. They're like, it's like oh, yeah. we right now sending over an EKG to somebody and asking them to understand what that means. And I think there's a lot of people who understand what an EKG is, but like, is there a problem or not? Just tell me, right? So I think that's one of the things is that I really got grounded in saliva testing is that I can take a saliva test. There is so much science behind it that it's so accurate and reputable and it's in their journals. And that's the power of it is that you can put somebody's test with their name saying they have an infection and highlight it, link it. And all of a sudden you got my, you've gotten somebody's attention, a cardiologist, Mm -hmm. you know, an orthopedist, whatever that is, because it's their journal. It's their information. It's not a dental community trying to say, hey, there's a dental problem. No, now I'm saying there's a systemic problem with my patient and I'd like to collaborate with you. The second piece is telehealth. That has been a game changer for Dr. Pritchard and I, is that I used to do the whole phone call, maybe just an email. And now we really have a very straightforward process. You know, we have, of course, all the tests and we can go into everything that Dr. Pritchard does. But in a nutshell, we now are saying, here's, I just send still to this day, a saliva test. I invite that other practitioner, the doctor themselves to meet with the doctor on a Zoom call. We need to collaborate on care. A direct invitation. This is not, hey, we'd like to meet up. No, we have a patient who has an infection. We have a treatment plan that we need to co-collaborate on. Let's schedule a time to meet over Zoom. A clear invite. And honestly, Dr. Pritchard can respond to this. I feel that we have been the most successful that way. So to me, that's where we are today versus, yes, I wanted to pull my hair out. I mean, I've done the health fairs and I still believe in that. There's got to be a win-win. Right. Um, And something else I want to say too, for all the hygienists out there is I gave away tons of free saliva tests to who? Who did we test? practitioners themselves. That was a key component with the heart attack and stroke prevention centers, because when they got their own tests, like, Hey, we brought you a test. I'm going to send you out a test. And they got their own saliva test back. Guess what? What are they going to do about it? Who are they going to go to? (laughs) They were calling us like, okay, forget the patients. I need to talk about my own test. What happened? And so I, uh, complete health dentistry with Dr. McClatchy in Columbus there. That's how I actually got a lot of our referring doctors that we have now that are great referring doctors. They became my patient 
And when they went through as my patient, I got to what I say, build that relationship, love on them, show them because you can tell somebody all day what you do, but actually trading somebody, taking a look um, and showing them, because I'll tell you, none of their dentists were testing. Right. Right. Yeah. So do you think it's just, well, I think from my perspective, but I don't do, I don't do that with people's practitioners because of what the barriers and the limitations have been in the past. And just how many times I've heard people say, um, you know, I have extended all these efforts on my end and it's been to no avail. And I haven't had a response and I haven't had collaboration despite my best efforts kind of thing. But do you think it's just the objective information and here you go, it's interpreted by the way, like this is bacteria, like, you know, about bacteria, you're a medical practitioner. Like, do you think that's what speaks to them and, and helps you to make the connection? Like, is that, you think how you got the initial connection or, or is it kind of like there wasn't a, a high percentage of people who responded. And then when you really started offering the salivary tests to them personally, I'm just thinking in the way of like hygienists who were like, yeah, how much work am I going to have to do? And how can we streamline this? And how can we make this like, what's the, the clearest cut path, would you say, to getting a response to practitioners that you're trying to collaborate or partner with? A canned email that sits on your computer that you directly send. And of course, who are you sending to? An administrator, right? I love when somebody gives me their doctor's direct email, but how many people have that? They don't. It's going to administrator who is screening. But when you say doctor so-and-so wants to meet and collaborate on care, discuss this patient's condition, here is their test their mouth is putting them at risk. And I give them, that's the other thing, just having quick, easy references, I think is huge, Mm -hmm. but not that that's the most important. Cause I'm going to tell you, none of them probably look at that. So even if you don't have the reference, the fact that you're sending over a test and asking to collaborate, they will respond (laughs) at some point they're going to respond. And so I want it easy for hygienists. This should just be a cut and paste and you're putting the patient's test, you know, sending that to info at doctor, blah, 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 you know, that's what that is. Um, And so somebody's going to email you back and say, they're not available. Or I'll say, most people call me and say, okay, I sent that on to the doctor. I wanted to let you know, or email, you know, we're so busy. They don't want to pick up the phone and call you either. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so we have to use the technology that's easy for an administrator to get it into the hands of a doctor, easy for them to get it to a nurse practitioner, easy for them to respond to us. So I think that's, that is key, Um, you know, that, that we're doing that. And just like you're saying, Brittany, it has to be almost black and white. This is subjective, (laughs) you know, are you subjective or objective? You know, you can tell all day, uh, a cardiologist, somebody has periodontal disease, but really they're sitting there like probably shaking their head. Like, do you and have, I, yeah. right. So I've run into this multiple times, um, especially with OBGYNs. Um, you know, there's such a huge correlation there between the, the oral pathogens and healthy pregnancy. And I feel like, you know, there's many times that I've called and I, I'm going to take your advice. I love this of just emailing it directly, but I will also probably call too, just because I, you know, I'm trying to say, Hey, this is coming your way. But, but at the same time, sometimes because everybody is busy and healthcare is kind of flooded right now. Um, is there a way that you recommend to empower the patient as well to kind of follow up with their doctor and make sure that, that things are, are moving forward. Cause I feel like the patient has a lot of power, you know, if they can get things moving as well. That is part of my process, especially as being, you know, I still work Monday's chair side. And so I always, I create a little folder for my patients. I print off their tests. I print off their treatment plan. Um, I put, if there's an article or even I love AOSH's infographics, right? Because it has all the listed science at the bottom and it's just really nicely done. I print that off um, and just arming my patient with information. And I tell them all the time is, I don't know what I don't know, <laughs> right? Every day science is changing. And so your doctor's doing the best they can with everything that's going on. But I want to give you the information about you. So when you go into your appointment, you know what I've sent them. I've sent them your test. Here's the information because sometimes it doesn't get to them. And so I say, you're going to bring that information and be able to share it with them as well. And I tell them, you know, you're reinforcing the process. You have to be part of that process. 
And I do think that's just another, I'm going to say some fuel on the fire, right? When the patient's like, hey, did you see my test? Hey, they sent that over to you. Um, Again, it's just reinforcing what we're doing. So I do think patient empowerment is always key. Education, um, you know, I've really always empowered my patients to take, you know, we all should be taking really responsibility for our own health care. And I know Dr. Pritchard can speak to that because there's a standard of care. And, you know, we always say standard of care keeps all of us out of jail, right? As a healthcare provider. And then there's, you know, beyond the standard of care, what are we doing preventatively or to save lives? And a patient has to decide where they are, you know, say, I'm going to meet you wherever you are. Um, But there are things that you can do that you can take into your own hands to get a better result. Yeah, I think it's important. I mean, I think we all agree that patients really have to be their own advocates at this point. Um, And I think one of our roles is to empower them to do that. And, you know, they don't know what they don't know. So helping them understand, just like you said, is imperative. But I also feel like, unfortunately, there's a huge gap um, in general medicine right now with really understanding the oral health impact that it can have. And I and I get so frustrated. I've seen a handful of patients who are diabetic that come in and, and, you know, I'm doing their assessment and they have active infection and I'm sharing with them, Hey, you know, do you know that periodontal disease and diabetes are actually, you know, bi-directional, they have a bi-directional relationship. They really impact how you're going to manage your blood sugar and how the infection is going to heal and that sort of thing. And patients, I've had so many patients tell me they had no idea. And that like hurts my heart that, you know, their doctor hasn't, you know, asked them those questions like, Hey, when was your last dental cleaning? You know, do you have a history of periodontal disease? So I struggle with that aspect of there being kind of that gap, which I know was the biggest catalyst of AOSH getting started is helping everybody come together and understand all those connections. But that being said, you know, uh, if you, if you have a patient who's seeing a practitioner who hasn't educated them well and doesn't really understand and may not understand the ramifications of the salivary tests that are coming their way, how do you manage that? So I want to speak to that a little bit because I've done something this year that I haven't done in the past. I want to share it. And this may be like, whoa, way above and beyond. So just hang on to your seat. But Again, everything is a process and an evolution, right, Dr. Pritchard? We keep evolving and wanting to do more. So I always say, you know, for the hygienists out there that you're just like blood, sweat, and tears to clean teeth, look at HR5, start saliva testing, direct diagnostics. Like first up, it takes you literally 30 seconds to just say to a patient, hey, I want to know if your mouth is putting the rest of your body at risk. I want to know if you have these top five pathogens that are very... I call pathogenic that can wreak havoc other places. I mean, it takes me 10 seconds to tell a patient that, right? So even if you just start with periodontal disease, but what I've done this year, just hang on to your seats is I have a patient who we're going to talk about those OBGYNs because I'm very passionate about that. She's a hygienist and guess what? Preterm low birth weight has FN off the chart. And so we decided that we not only were testing her after the, after the baby, right. But she doesn't want to go through that again. We took saliva, you know, with the little nosy things, we took saliva from the mouth, put it in the HR5 test, sent it off identical. This was for the baby, newborn infant, newborn. Because my whole thought process, you know, I always talk about, you know, it's the number one most communicable disease. We should always be testing partners and we talk about that. But really, we're talking about, okay, does this infant have this? Is the, Are they already starting at day one? <laughs> I mean, and the, she had a baby girl. So all she's saying is her mind is this was devastating for me as a female, right? I know the implications as a hygienist. I try to do everything perfect, right? You're trying to eat right, exercise, be healthy. And so 
this was another opportunity to do something different. And what could we do now with an infant starting and reprogramming this whole biofilm? So I know that sounds crazy, but there are simple things. You know, I'm just a huge fan for babies. And I just have to say it because of COVID out there. And what we're going through is, you know, the simple nasal sprays by Clear, getting that xylitol in there, setting them up to never have a cavity, never have an ear infection. You know, it kills these strep strains. But can we get rid of that FN, physionucleidium bacteria that we can see is probably predominant in this family, right? Predominantly in this family and open the eyes of this OBGYN of this story. It's really the patient stories like we heard from Dr. Pritchard that sometimes stops the clinicians in their tracks because I'm sure it's just not this patient. Right. It's just like Dr. Pritchard said, it might have been the 45 year old, like she said, that stopped her in her tracks. But then, right, Dr. Pritchard is like, all she could think of is all the other patients, you know, before and after that, just like us. So, you know, I'm trying to find that passionate, you know, OBGYN. And really, that's why I'm doing that. I'm telling these stories, not only to these practitioners from a subjective point of view, right, but I'm really trying to just get her attention really objectively. Here's a Mm -hmm. test. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Here's what it looks like. Now I'm treating and I'm actually treating the infant and the mom and the dad. And I am just going to bombard her with all these tests and treatment. And guess what happens? All of a sudden she's sending patients your way. And she wants to know, what am I doing? What, and what does this mean? Because the thing is, she doesn't know what it means. The funny part is we could all sit there and say, well, Laura, didn't you link the research? (laughs) Of course I did. But she's not, you know, we're expecting somebody. So, right. Finally, the phone call happens and says, hey, can you come to my office? Can we do lunch? Can you just explain this to me? Um, I would like to learn. I have seen this in my literature. And now this is, I'm actually seeing it on a test. I didn't know there was such a test. So I think it's just, you know, I want to inspire people to not give up. You know, you've got to start at the chair. Your patient has to understand. And I love just the saying, Hey, let's find out if your mouth is actually putting your body at risk. Right. And I I love this because this goes back to Sharice and I like talk and preach all the time about us knowing our why and our purpose and the fact that our profession just needs to be aligned with like what we value, why we're here, what our purpose is in general, you know, and just if we're kind of like in that habit or like just the automatic of like sling and profi pace. And I know that a lot of us can relate to this. Like I know that me in my first few practices, you know, before I got established at Spodak, it was like a completely different experience than the whole health dentistry and dental hygiene that we that we tried to aspire to there, you know? Um, and it was just really, really like, okay, going to work, making the donuts, slinging the prothe paste, doing my best to do all these assessments and diagnostics. But really at the end of the day, I'm cleaning teeth. One, because I didn't have resources, which a lot of us, you know, have those limitations and maybe need to do our own investigating. But if I really like stopped and questioned, could I have implemented something like this? And would it have changed how I felt about my profession and how I feel like purpose wise. And like, why am I going to work and doing what I do in the first place? Yeah. It would have changed my perspective, you know? So it's so true. You know, we do salivary testing with paper points and even the paper point test takes less than a minute. You know, it, it, think of if you have like a spit or a swish, you know, solution kind of like oral DNA. I don't know about the, um, the five pathogen tests. I know that it was at AOSH this past year. Um, and Charissa was really interested in it and got some information, but I think that's one of the most low hanging fruit where like, it's so implementable you don't have to be a rocket scientist. You don't have to have a lot of information to implement it in your daily practice. There's not a lot of explaining that goes into it. The preliminary, like, um, yeah, I want to investigate like your whole health. Just, just trust me on this one. And patients that you have rapport with, I feel like are like, okay, sure. You know, especially and the cost is so minimal to the patient, depending on what you, you know, say the cost is, but it, it really is so low for the value that it creates for the patient and what it gives them back, you know, and I feel like the patients who move forward are, are the ones who may be preventive minded. People have the autonomy to say no to this perfectly fine, but like, let's do everything in our power. And this is one of the easiest things I think that we can do. And then, you know, just going back to like the, why am I going to work every single day? Your purpose is just like totally expanded. Like you've just totally changed why you are going to work and why you're doing what you're doing and just getting like a whole next level of fulfillment, which is what we all actually want. If we stop and think about why, why are we here? 
you know, so I know that it sounds like another thing, but it's one of those things where on the front end, it's going to equal a minute maybe of more work. And on the back end, you're going to be literally changing people's lives. And especially for taking the time to get really creative and think, you know, quote unquote, outside the box and test your, you know, your patient's infant saliva and start sending that into OBs. Like that is what healthcare needs in my opinion. And that's what our patients need in my opinion is like practitioners who get really curious about all of this stuff. They don't know what they don't know. So why don't we tell them like, Hey, there are things that we should test for. They don't come in like, Hey, my gums hurt. Will you check my gums? Like, no, I know to check your gums. I went to school for this. Why don't I just do what I know I'm trained to do? You know? So I think that there needs to be more of that, but this is just, I can't, I can't stress enough how in my experience, it's been just one of the lowest hanging easily, just easy to implement things that you can do. And I hope that everyone kind of will get curious about it and, and investigate on their own. And I think that, Teresa, maybe we can link some resources like to the different salivary testing that we've used. I know that I use Microblink DX and you like oral DNA. And what's the one that you use, Laura? HR5. And we're going we're gonna to put that in our practice in okay. January as well. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. So you're going to get more information on that too, but I'm sure that we can link those resources. Yes. Um, it, because all this sounds like as soon as you start doing that and get the patient as your own advocate, you start sending that objective information to practitioners. Like there really is collaboration available. It's just, you have to know the right avenue to take. So this is really like exciting and this is great information for me. So I'm sure there are listeners as much as it's like, oh, another thing, like it's, it's important. It's great information to have. I'm, I'm really thankful to be sharing this with you guys this morning. I don't know if you can tell. <laughs> and I would say, I would say, Brittany, you know, that is, that's, that's our, that's our MO in hygiene. You get exposed to something new and you think, oh, that's cool. I don't know how I'd fit that in. This is another thing, but I want to reframe this. And I feel like, honestly, this is everything. Mm-hmm. This is not just looking at the clinical manifestation of something, but it's looking at the root of why it's there and then digging deeper and understanding what that's doing systemically. Because that's, you know, I have, I have conversations with my patients every day where I say, you know, I'm not willing to compromise your total health here. We've got to do this in a really smart, careful way. And this leads me to one of my questions for Dr. Pritchard is, you know, Sadly, again, I, there is a gap between what physicians know about oral pathogens and what that capability is for overall health. What do you instruct your patients? So I, here's an example. I saw a patient this week who has active periodontal disease. Um, we use perioprotect in our practice and are big, big fans of that. So I was talking to him about that process. We, I, I mentioned, you know, Hey, it might not be a bad idea to do some salivary testing to see, you know, what's really going on here because he has high blood pressure and high cholesterol. So, and I shared with him how the pathogens kind of work in the body on that front. And so he said, Oh yeah. yeah okay. So we did salivary testing. Um, and got it, got the results back. And thankfully nothing's above threshold, but he, he has, um, too high risk, um, FN. Like when you look in the correlation between his high blood pressure and high cholesterol, he's got about four of the bad guys that he doesn't need to have in there. So he said, oh yeah, I'm going to go get a physical. I, you know, I'm due for that anyway. I'm overdue. What do you recommend they have tested? Because again, helping the patient be their own advocate you know, I don't know that side of things. So what do, what's best to recommend and communicate with them about what to have checked out and look for and how all this matters for them? Yes. So maybe we could also put that in the resources, but definitely blood work looking at and more in-depth inflammatory panel. A lot of people have heard of maybe C-reactive protein, kind of a global marker of inflammation, but we know that not only cardiovascular disease, but dementia, cancer, chronic diseases of all kinds has a a root in inflammation. There's inflammation occurring somewhere. So there's a more thorough blood test panel you can get to kind of understand that. Uh, And that really is the next step in this collaboration between general medicine and oral medicine, because, you know, I call up um, my dental colleague in New York, Victor Avis. We have a lot of mutual patients all the time. This is what I'm seeing on the inflammatory markers, Victor. This patient's got a rise in their inflammatory status. What's the last thing that happened in your office? How are things looking orally? I want to know if there's an oral component to that. So sharing that information for the good of the patient. So, but back to what the patient wants to ask for, the appropriate blood tests. Um, obviously, you've already done the oral healthcare uh, aspect and the salivary diagnostics, 
Um, if not, we send patients a lot of times uh, somewhere for that. They want to make sure they've got that from either their general or their oral medicine doctor. And then um, an understanding of their vascular status and an understanding of their brain function. So um, there are brain scans, there are MRIs, there's even just a um, online cognitive assessment you can take that's I recommend for everyone age 40 and over, certainly younger if there's a history of premature um, dementia in your family history, um, to see what your baseline cognitive function is. And uh, then test that at certain intervals to make sure that you're maintaining brain power, that you're maintaining your mental capacity. And that tells us a lot about the rest of the body's health. The second uh, piece of that, the vascular health. So we want you to look at your artery or at your blood vessels any way you can. And you can do that with ultrasound. You can do it with CT. You can do it with MRI. You can do it uh, with an angiogram at the hospital. So the test to look at the arterial wall. So if someone comes in and they know they have vascular disease because they've had a heart attack and they've been to the cath lab or whatever, we still need that look at the artery wall so that we know what does it look like today. And when we look again in in a year, is the artery wall looking healthier? And that's best done with ultrasound, but there are are a variety of ways to do that. So I would say blood test, usually an ultrasound, but can be CT and other modalities to look at your vascular health and then brain health, cognitive or, um, or a scan or an MRI of the brain or all of the above. I didn't know there was an online test for uh, cognitive testing. There are a variety of validated <laughs> tools. Yeah. The one that we like because it's, um, it's there's two really that we like, but um, I, you can Google or go to uh, CNS Vital Signs, uh, CNSVS, and um, that's an easy online uh, cognitive assessment. Awesome. It takes about 30 minutes. Okay, that's awesome. Thank you. Laura, would you add anything to that for what the patient should ask for when they go? I mean, there's the list goes on and on, but you know, we've we've one more thing, Laura, before I uh, toss the baton to you. But the um, we have found so much power. You were talking earlier about the diabetic patients, and um, there's a whole host of people out there that are headed towards diabetes that don't even know that. So it's been incredibly valuable for us to use the uh, continuous glucose monitor that a person puts on their arm for a couple of weeks, even if you're young, even if you're uh, no diabetes in the family, that uh, ability to maintain low level rises in blood sugar and insulin uh, is key for metabolic flexibility and for maintaining heart and brain function, whole body health for the rest of your life. And um, so that's, that's another thing I would ask for, or I would just purchase. There's places you can purchase them now without a prescription. Certainly you can in Canada and the United States, most places require either a prescription from your doctor, or you have to sign up for a glucose monitor through an online service. And it comes with nutritional coaching. It gets kind of expensive. Um, anyway, but in some form or fashion, you need to know what your two week insulin and glucose uh, metabolism looks like. I could go on, but Laura, what else would you say is not priority when you walk into the doctor's office? I just, I actually want to back up because I think the real question is how do hygienists be able to do this? And I actually want to, I'm going to say all these building providers, bread is in providers, actually Dr. Chena Pritchard, I have to do your heart. I mean, she's in the seed scientific, she's into peptides, anti-aging, hormones. I mean, it doesn't end. If you've just even touched into veil donating, I can't say enough about Dr. Pritchard and everything that she does. Uh, And she doesn't tell, I feel like the world enough what she does. Why I'm bringing that up is that when you say I can't find a provider, I am going to say she's sitting right here. (laughs) Um, And a lot of veil donating providers with her are sitting right here. They, she can do telehealth. I mean, if a patient needs a provider, they, that's why I'm here is to kind of say, it's not that hard. <laughs> Hi, <laughs> we're out here. Um, but what I want to back up to is one of the techniques I still use to this day is I have printed out, you know, 
Cleveland Heart Labs, you can do it from Boston Heart Labs, where these providers run their blood work. Again, talking the medical community. They have a great infographic you've seen with the artery and the soft plaque and it gets bigger. Well, at the bottom is like six tests, your MPO, right? Your plaque two, your ADMA. And those are the top three that I look at on the blood work when it comes back with Dr. Pritchard. But I have circled those for my patients say, can you ask your doctor to run these tests for me? I need this blood work to know if your mouth is putting you at risk because on your saliva test, it is. Now I just don't know how much it's impacting. Okay, so that's that's second easy thing. Seconds it takes, at right? I'm not even saying they need to see somebody else. I go a step further and say, and you guys, every hygienist can do this. Every hygienist can have a CIMT day in their office. A carotid intermediate thickness scan. It's easy, ultrasound. You have Dr. Pritchard. Again, you have all these people. You have cardiovascular. They love to come in and scan your patients. So I do the simple saliva test, and we really haven't talked about, I do want to give direct diagnostics a little credit on what they're doing different than the other tests. They are detecting A, A, and PG. Those are in the top five. They're the most pathogenic and virulent. They're detecting them at 10 copies. So it really opened my eyes up because everybody else level of detection, you name it. I love them all. I do. I've done them all. They're all sitting in my my office. FIDA, you know, let's talk about microblinks, oral DNA, microgen DX. They're all out there, right? Uh, Oral vital. They're all great. You know, find what you like. But when you ask me, why am I using this test? And Dr. Pritchard is using this test. So that's what I say. She's the one who got me involved. Really? Why are we using this test? Because from a medical standpoint, she wants that detection detection that early. All these other tests don't detect for her until there's a hundred or more copies. So from a medical standpoint, you can Mm -hmm. see then why, right. She wants to catch that early preclinical or, Hey, if it's there, I need to know if that's there. Right. We're like guaranteeing people don't have an event, right? So Mm -hmm. we need to make sure it's off. So I just want people to kind of understand that as they do some research, but what that brings me to is I would tell a patient, We know that you're swallowing these bacteria. So we get leaky gut, leaky gums, all those membranes and junctions. And Dr. Pritchard can talk to this toxins, biofilm, plaques. And that's where, Tristan, you heard me say, I always tell my patient plaque, plaque in the mouth, plaque on the heart. That's plaque in your arteries. That's plaque on the brain. So I'm talking about preclinical gingivitis, periodontal disease, Mm -hmm. heart attacks, strokes, cognitive decline, dementia, right? I see that you have these pathogens. Now I need to know, right, how much that has impacted the body. And so we start with a simple scan. It takes 20 minutes. I'm going to set you up for an appointment. We're doing that once a month. And you would just say, I'm doing that on November 30th or whatever that date is. And right, I'd love for you, or I make it like a prescription. I'd like for you to come and get that scheduled so we can find out if your body, if those plaques are now occurring other places right into your artery wall. And so again, I try to keep that that simple. I know they're there. You have these high risk. Now we need to know if they're implicated, right? And they're actually building up in the artery wall. So, you know, a simple saliva test like HR5 start, it, our cost is $68. I don't, you know, charge somebody a hundred, whatever it is. Most people can afford that. Then from there to me, that's the key to get their medical provider, but it's also the key to let me have that conversation. You have high blood pressure, you have high cholesterol, or maybe they don't have any of those things. Hey, right. I want to make sure that those bacteria can actually form and build and contribute to these plaques. So let's find out if they're going on. And so to me, when that's when you're saying to me, it's so hard, it's so hard. I feel like there's so many avenues we can take um, because again, I'm going to do the medical model. I'm going to set my patient up for a CIMT day, right? Come to our office. You don't even have to go anywhere else. Make the appointment, get that CMT. Let's find out if your mouse putting you at risk Um, and patients do it. I mean, that's the thing when they have test results, it's kind of that process, Um, The other thing I want to speak to is that blood work. What should we be asking for? 
Um, we talk all the time. It's called myeloperoxidase, that MPO. And Dr. Pritchard, tell us what that is. I'm going to make you. <laughs> so it's an enzyme that uh, works for us all day, every day to keep any plaque in the artery from becoming a dangerous plaque. But if you have an elevated amount of that, that means that myeloperoxidase, your immune response is having a hard time doing its job, having to work overtime because you've got a dangerous plaque somewhere in an artery. So I call it a prevention emergency. Like we have to get you into the dental office today, this week, ASAP to see if there's an oral related component when we see that elevated myeloproxidase. So you can just explain it to your patients. It's an enzyme in the blood. And when it's elevated, we know that you've got a vulnerable or a dangerous plaque. We've got to reverse this right away. And so that MPO, like typically that number we're looking at is 470 and above. And that's like screaming to us on paper. I don't even have to see the patient, right? It's screaming to us on paperwork. We need to find if there's a dormant abscess. Do they have a failing root canal? Is there right? You know, there could be a million things going on. So is a periodontal disease. There is some problem happening in the mouth that we need to go uncover. And that's why Dr. Pritchard always has her patient. And we're going to talk about, you know, we can bring this up or have another one. You know, we talk about airway to pathogens to plaque um, because patients not getting oxygen, right? Then we know that they're more acidic, but their pH drops. So we have a lack of oxygen. We're growing more anaerobic bacteria that I always say to my patients, they're not sitting up there saying, Hey, nice hygienist, Laura, clean me off. No, they're going into the tissue, into the bloodstream, which I need help getting, but then that's what's causing these plaques. So that's why I say airway to pathogens to plaque. And that's why that CBCT that becomes really important as well. Besides a sleep test, you know, somebody's MPO side, it's like, we need a CBCT because we need to find out if there's something that we're just not seeing in the mouth. Even regular x-rays aren't showing us. So we're looking for those dormant abscesses. And then the other one that we really focus in on a lot, Dr. Pritchard, is that plaque too. Mm-hmm. And so right. what's that telling? What? So, yeah, another blood test that tell, tells us that your arterial disease is going in the wrong direction. We're not reversing and stabilizing vascular disease, but things are getting worse. So we want that number to go down. And that one is directly related to periodontal disease. We literally can reduce somebody's plaque to just by doing non-surgical periodontal therapy. And I think every hygienist should be empowered to know that because again, that's speaking that medical terminology to a doctor Mm -hmm. and saying, Hey, our treatment is documented in literature to bring that down. That's why I want to collaborate with you. That's why I want to work with you um, is to really have that impact and letting the patient know that. And then, yeah. You're on mute. (laughs) Thank you. Sorry. Um, I knew that about plaque too. Um, I wanted to ask a question about the myeloperoxidase. Is that also pretty indicative? If that, like you said, if that number comes up high, we know there's an oral infection involved, or could that be happening somewhere else in the body? It can be happening somewhere else in the body, but all of us who've been doing this for several years, it's much more rare for it to be. For example, if you have someone who is insulin resistant or diabetic and they're not controlling their blood sugars or um, any of the root causes can cause myeloperoxidase to go up because they are inflaming, you know, whatever the root cause is. You went back to smoking cigarettes. Okay, your arterial walls inflamed. Right. Of course, myeloperoxidase can go up. But I would say at least nine times out of 10, it is an oral related issue. I always go there first. Got it. Got it. I'm sitting here listening and my brain is so full and I'm overwhelmed and excited. (laughs) (laughs) As I know, probably a lot of our listeners, because 
I, I'm with you, Laura. I carry this heavy, heavy weight and burden about what we are responsible for on a daily basis. And so I think some of my big takeaways, um, I'm such a believer in Dale Deneen. I've sat under their teaching multiple times. I have not done the preceptorship, but I'm thinking I probably should. Um, but that's a great starting point. You know, if, if you're listening out there and you're saying, you know, who can I, and, and yes, I agree, Dr. Gina, we can definitely collaborate with her as well. But if you're looking for somebody, you know, for your patient to physically go to and see, you know, is, am I correct that there's a Bail Deneen um, network where you can look up a provider in your area that has been specialized in the Bail Deneen method? Yes, there is at baildoneen.com that you okay. can go to provider search. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Because I think that's that's very appealing because like I said, sadly, I've I've uh, communicated several times with with my patients, current physicians, and there just seems to be, you know, you know, a lot of times with the OB, OBGYN, I can't even get through to them. It's their nurse that, you know, calls back and says, yeah, that antibiotic's fine. I'm like, but do they actually know that this is, you know, a, a big concern and an infection going on? Mm -hmm. So I, I like that concept. What would you, you, what, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I love that this information and your podcast and the topic today is, as we started out saying, empowering the patient, because that's truly what it boils down to. <laughs> we are going to hit more, um, get more doors slammed in our face as we reach out to our general and our dental colleagues for whatever reason. They're just not ready for it today. They haven't read the science. They don't want to read the science. They are on their I say the treadmill of what they do on a daily basis. So in order to change the mind of a provider, they have to first see the science, see the impact for their patient, figure out how they're going to implement it in their practice. And a lot of them just don't want to do that. But it's not going, I want to encourage everybody, it's not going to slow us down. Okay, we'll go to the next one. We'll go to the next one. And I say we, we're going to empower the patient and partner with them to help them do that. Because there is a role for a dermatologist, a cardiologist, a gynecologist, a rheumatologist that practices the way they practice. Right. I say I'm not replacing them. I'm additive because most everyone that is in a traditional medical model uh, is not taking a thorough look at preventing disease and optimizing someone's health and certainly not looking into, and can we add years to their life? Can we actually implement some right. things to add longevity here, but most importantly, making sure that their health span matches that. Right. They're just not. It's it's a glorified med check a lot of times when you go see the doctor. Really, right. it, it's sad to say, but that's kind of the current health climate today. So I want to encourage the dental hygienist and dental hygienist as healthcare consumers themselves as maybe the moms that are, you know, taking, you know, making sure that children and the husbands and everybody else gets the health care they need. Um, we all need to empower ourselves with this information. And if this doctor can meet a need because you need whatever, you're some medicine refilled or they're there for a certain level of um, healthcare, don't let it stop you from finding the next one. If that one doesn't work, go to the next one, go to the mm -hmm. next one. Mm -hmm. I just went through this recently with my hair color. And if I'm going to go seek out somebody else, cause I don't like the way somebody's <laughs> color my hair, then don't give up on, you know, finding the right doctor for you. One that, that for one thing, if you call and ask about some of these tests and they're like, no, 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 we don't do that. No, no, no. We don't believe in that. Okay. Go to the next one, but find a prevention focused healthcare provider. And as you said, they're on the Beldonine website and some other websites we can give, but. Um, well, I just, I'm sorry. I have to say something. One is you, I do want to make sure you guys put in the links, Apollo health. That's the Dr. Bredesen recode precode. We're talking, yes. you know, cognitive function, our baby boomers. I mean, you're seeing Alzheimer's everywhere. Right. Mm -hmm. So I just want hygienists to know about that, but I kind of want to tell my hygienists out there. I work with Dr. Pritchard across the country. And if I gave up on our dental community, I would not be doing what I'm doing. And Dr. Pritchard's bring up a good point because I call from a medical office to who dental offices. And I have had that phone shut down on me. Like Hi, I'm Laura Hooper. I'm calling from the Prevent Clinic. I'd like to collaborate with your patient. They're like, yeah, we don't saliva test. Yeah, you can send it. They're fine. So I get the same thing now right. in my face calling my own colleagues. And I, I told Dr. Pritchard, but 
I want you to hear it. She's saying, we truly believe in being passionate about it. And so it's like, okay, I go on to the next one. Or I tell that patient, you keep that dentist. That is your dentist. You're going to go there and you're going to get your teeth cleaned for six months, but we're going to work with another collaborating office at the same time. Who's going to do a CVCT. Who's going to look at the sleep test that we did. Who's going to look at the saliva test that we did. And they're going to then meet with you and us. And we're going to have a consult and they're going to provide this other type of care. And so imagine that on the other side, we have got to keep, I say, stop just monotherapy and mono thinking of that. It's just one way, because I know there's a hygienist listening out there saying, well, I don't saliva test. Yeah. What if I called your office? All I ask of those offices when I put my email or when I call is I'm just looking for you to collaborate. I am here to guide you and help you through the process. Your hygienist can jump on Zoom and Dr. Richard shaking her head because we have story after story where the dentist hygienists get on. They're like, I think in shock. And then they're like scared and they say, we don't, we don't know, just, you know, help us. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it is, it's even educating people on our side because I mean, Dr. Pritchard, I'd love for you to say it's frustrating on the other side as well. I I want to open the eyes of our dental colleagues. It's just as frustrating on the medical side. Yeah, that's it. That's that's good to hear from you in the direction that you're currently trying to communicate in, because I think that we do only think from our experience, like, oh, the medical community doesn't want anything to do with us. No, but we don't either from the other end, like many, many of our offices. So I think that it's important. You guys just made a few really important points. And I think one of them is these, the offices that want to collaborate and take it to the next level and practicing the gold standard of care. We actually want our patients to be well, one, they exist Two, If you ask in enough times, you will find one. And three, there are resources like the bail um, and Apollo health that you can just fast track and quick stream, like your research and just go straight there and find those offices a little bit quicker. So your journey is less frustrating. You know, I think that probably even the phone calls that get shut down, like at least get someone thinking like, oh, there's someone out there doing that. You know, like even if it's to no avail on your end and maybe you don't connect with that office and you don't end up collaborating, just the awareness, I hope, starts to shift the paradigm in the way that we're thinking about what we do every single day, you know, on both ends, on the the general medicine and the dentistry aspect of things. So thank you for saying that. I think that goes for many things in life, but in this thing particular, it does exist. If you haven't seen it before, now you know that it exists. And just continue and ask for collaboration and ask for help. You know, there are so many resources, Laura and Dr. Gina Pritchard. It seems like you guys would be willing to connect and willing to help anyone who's trying to do this, or at least refer them to who can help. So we really appreciate you being here this morning. I know that this has been eye-opening for me um, on the dental end of things. And it's really, you guys really are motivating me. um, And I hope a lot of other people to see how this can go well you know, see how you can collaborate and see the things that have been working and have been tried. So really appreciate your time this morning. Um, Really appreciate the encouragement that you guys are providing and the example that you guys are providing in medicine and in dentistry um, that we can all kind of look to and follow and something that has been successful already. So really appreciate you guys. Um, Do you guys have any closing thoughts or final thoughts or a final message that you want to share with our listeners? I just want to say thank you so much for having us and thank you for the great work that y'all are doing uh, and let us know how we can help in any way. Thank you so much. We, we really appreciate it. It's been my pleasure meeting you both this morning and talking with you both. And I'm sure that our paths will cross in the future. We'd love to continue collaborating with you both. So thanks for spending your, your Saturday morning with us here. Absolutely. And I want to say to our listeners, if you've listened today and you feel like there's, you you kind of have your own gap of really understanding this whole oral systemic connection and wanting to be more rooted and wanting to have more answers. You know, a lot of times we get paralyzed if we feel like we don't have all the answers. So we just don't share any information at all. Mm -hmm. And that's a disservice. So I think if you're feeling kind of that, that space this morning, or as you're listening, um, Look into becoming a member of AOSH. Um, they have the most fabulous resources online to help you. Um, Laura referred to their infographics, but they've got a lot of articles and information. They're constantly putting out current research for you to learn and grow. So if you haven't joined that, I would definitely encourage that. That'll help you learn and grow a lot. And you can even do that together as a team so that everybody's on the same page. 
But I echo Brittany. I'm so grateful for you ladies' efforts and you are heroes in my book. Um, I have no doubt you are saving lives every day and um, I want to be just like you. So thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. And we hope all of you listeners out there have a wonderful week. See you next time. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Bulletproof Hedging Podcast. We hope you've had as much fun as we have. Don't forget to click subscribe for a lot more where this came from. We appreciate your support and promise to keep the hygiene gems coming. Keep track of upcoming Bulletproof Hygiene events by visiting bulletproofhygiene.com or download the Mighty Networks app and search Bulletproof Hygiene to stay connected. We want to hear from you.